0: On today's day and age, when our tool belt continues to grow with all the powerful editing tools, it's really, really easy to make editing mistakes. We're talking about five of the most common of them in today's episode. what is going on, everybody? It's your host, Austin and James Jags. I'm back with another episode on the Learn Landscape Photography Podcast. Super excited you're here as always. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. I'm really excited today to talk about something that I think is going to bring you hopefully immense value, um, especially if you are newer maybe to photography, or even if you're just someone that doesn't, um, feel very confident in your editing capabilities, which based on a lot of the photographers that I've talked to and the people that come to my workshops, I know there's a lot of you out there that don't feel super confident in your editing capabilities, So in this episode, I'm going to be covering five of the most common editing mistakes I see people make. If you avoid these mistakes, uh, you're going to be in really, really good shape. So I definitely think this is an episode that is well worth probably listening to two or three times. Maybe taking some notes if you can, if you're not driving. Um... Uh, it would just, I think it's going to be so helpful. I really wish I had this as a resource um, when I was learning photography because, man, did I make these mistakes and did I make them a lot? Even as I look back through my Lightroom catalog to some of my stuff from six or seven years ago, I'm like, man, what was I thinking? Um, so, hopefully, this will help you to avoid those mistakes. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's jump right in there. Um, here is my conversation, I guess, with myself. Uh, about 5 common post-processing mistakes that landscape photographers make. So the very first mistake and if you've watched my YouTube, heard me talk about this cuz it's like the absolute biggest thing that I see all the time, drives me nuts. But it's that the white balance in your image is not right. And it's obviously really hard to tell you what that correct white balance should be. You know, I can't just say, oh, set it to 5,500 and that'll be good because every image is different depending on the kind of light. But if the white balance is not correcting your image, you are just automatically the image is just going to be ruined. This is the biggest problem, biggest thing that will ruin your image So what I like to do when I am balancing the white balance in my image, which when I talk about white balance, for those of you, if you don't know, uh, white balance is like usually the first thing that I'll adjust. And I usually go back and adjust it while I'm editing as well. But this um, if you're doing it in Lightroom you have control over the, the warmth of the image. So, uh, yellow to blue, and you also have uh, control over the tint. So magenta to green. And then if you're doing this in Photoshop as well, you'll also get one more little control, which allows you to go between, what is it like a red and like cyan or something like that. Um, I can't remember exactly what it is. I think it's red and cyan, but either way, um, You balance those to make your image toned correctly. Now, big mistake a lot of people make, and I've talked about this recently in a couple like Instagram reels and YouTube videos and stuff like that, but you see people make the mistake of you know, they get a subpar sunset and they're like, well, I can just warm up my photo and make the sunset look fantastic. And like, yes, the sunset will look fantastic, but everything in your photo is going to be ruined because it's not going to look realistic. So if you care about having a realistic image, which I think a lot of landscape photographers do, I know I certainly do. You have to be honest with your white balance. Um, and and so the way that you should be adjusting the white balance the way that I've found that works for me and for a lot of my clients at my workshops is to look in the shadows or other neutral spots in your image when you're adjusting the white balance. So if you look in the shadows your shadows first of all should definitely not be warm so if you've got a nice sunset photo that you feel like might be too warm zoom into a spot in the image that's in the shadows or a little darker spot if it's warm your photo is definitely too warm the shadows should generally be neutral or they could maybe be a touch cool if you want them to be a little bit cool but don't overdo the coolness uh toning it towards blue too much now, obviously there's a lot of things in play here. You know, if the sunset's really good, there might be some reflected warm light that might be hitting. Um, so you always have to keep those things in mind. One thing that I've noticed that is, can be very difficult for people is balancing the white balance on, uh, like Northern lights photos, uh, because the Northern lights tint, everything super green. Um, so Things like that can also provide a little bit of a challenge. And at night, for those people that are out there shooting some night photos, um, I think you have a little bit more play in terms of how you can balance the whites. I like to keep my foreground pretty neutral, um, maybe slightly cool. I Definitely not warm, but it's mostly neutral, slightly cool. But then with the sky, you can really do a lot with it. You'll notice if you look at some of my Milky Way edits, I've got some that are uh, neutral-toned, some that are cool-toned. Um, And I might even have a couple that are warm toned. So it just totally comes down to what you want to do and how you want your image to look. Um, But that's basically how how I do the white balance. Another question people ask me a lot is should I shoot an auto white balance or what white balance should I use? The answer, if you're shooting in raw, I would just shoot an auto white balance. You can change the white balance if you want, but I find at least on my camera, which is, it's, I mean, it's a pretty nice camera, Sony a seven R four, but if you've got like a modern newer camera, that's of good quality, the auto white balance should work pretty well. It's just one less thing I need to think about when I'm out there capturing photos and since I can change it in post-processing, Anyways, It's not something that I worry about in the field. But I know there's some of you guys out there that are probably like you want to get everything right in camera. You can adjust the white balance as you shoot. Just it does add one more step. But if you are like me and you just want to adjust it in post-processing, just go ahead and set it to auto white balance in the field. Now, problem number two here. And I guess I would I was like toying with kind of what to call this. I ultimately just boiled down to this is the too much problem. Now you've either got too much contrast, too much color, or too much editing. And usually uh, contrast and color is because of too much editing, but not always. So start with the first problem here, too much contrast. You know, your image, I like contrast in my image, but um, I don't want majority of the image to be hugging the right side of the histogram and the left side of the histogram. Meaning I don't want majority of the image to be totally bright or totally dark. Now, I love to have tonality in my images. I love to have a wide range of brights to darks. I love to have a very, very bright point and a very, very dark point, but I don't want my whole image to be like that. If you want realistic contrast, you can add a little bit to your raw file, but you can't add a lot. Otherwise, things start to look unrealistic. One key indicator of too much contrast in an unrealistic image if you look at somebody's photos, uh, look in the background, like say I shot a photo where I've got like some, something in the foreground, let's just say like a cactus for this example. And I'm shooting something that's far away. Let's just say a cool rock formation and far in the distance, the hills in the distance are very high contrasty. That is a dead giveaway. You're adding way too much contrast because as things are further away, they should be a lower contrast. That's how you can create a lot of depth in your image is by having high contrast in the foreground, low contrast in the background, because this emulates essentially depth, because if you go outside or if you are outside right now, look at something very far away in the distance. And the further away that thing is, the lower contrast it is because you're looking through more atmosphere, which makes it a little hazy. Um, and so you don't want to get rid of that. You, know? you want that low contrast in the background. So if you're just reefing on your global adjustment um, with your contrast slider or curves adjustment or whatever, you may be overdoing it. So keep that in mind when we're talking about contrast. Also, if you haven't watched my YouTube video that by the time this comes out is probably like a month or a month and a half ago where I talk about how I use a curves layer in Photoshop. Even if you don't use Photoshop, you should watch it because you can just go in there and use this curves layer. I think it's so incredibly valuable and you can also somewhat do it in Lightroom as well. But the way that I use the curve, I think really, really lends itself well to avoiding adding too much contrast. Essentially you create the normal S curve. If you're familiar with the curve, you create that S curve. So you slightly drag up on the top, like very, very top part of the image, like top 75%. And then on the bottom 25%, you drag down. That creates an S curve, which darkens the darks, brightens the brights, it adds contrast. Then I go in on the, I guess that would be the darks on the very bottom of that curve. And I just drag that point up just ever so slightly. And essentially what that does is it just kind of makes it so my blacks aren't so black, I guess. They're not as true black. It's almost like they're matte black, but I don't drag it enough to make them super matte, but I drag them enough just so you don't lose the detail in there. So that's what I like to do with contrast. I don't want to talk about contrast anymore. Let's talk about the next one, which is color. Um, So there are a lot of times photographers add way too much color to their images. I don't know what to tell you other than use the vibrant slider more than saturation. And I would not really ever recommend adding more than 15 points of saturation and more than probably. 30 or 40 points of vibrance that you'll get yourself in trouble if you start to do that too much. Um, and just honestly, I mean, we're going to talk about another problem later on, but a lot of times it's photographers that are just trying to make their image more compelling when it just wasn't that good in general. So honestly think like is this how it looked in the field and if it's not dial it down that's there's honestly no better way for me to explain how to not use too much color in your images but if you go in there and you really reef on the saturation you really reef on the hsl sliders a lot of times things can get pretty nasty looking so just um use it in moderation and i found that i add less color to my images now i like them far far better um and i feel like at least as i look at them they're in a good spot um as it stands right now. But I mean, of course that's up to your interpretation as well. Um, and the last problem, too much editing. I mean, there's, there's, One of the hardest things is knowing when to stop editing because there's so many tools now that can do virtually anything. I mean, I could spend five full days, no sleep, editing a photo with the amount of tools that are out there to make good things happen. Uh, Don't do this. You got to understand when to stop. You got to know when to stop. Ultimately, it just takes practice to learn that. I think one of the best ways to maybe learn uh, the best way, I think, when you start photo editing is to learn someone else's workflow. Buy a tutorial from a photographer that you really like their editing tutorial. There's certainly some that are better than others out there. Some that are include some more information. Um, I'm not going to talk about which ones are better and which ones are worse on this podcast, but there is better ones out there um, or better yet, take a workshop with a photographer that you really like, learn their workflow, and then try and kind of follow along with their workflow because that'll help you to like not overdo the edit if you're following someone else's workflow. So that's what I would recommend when it comes to editing. Try and learn from another photographer if at all possible. I wanna take a break from today's episode and talk about a really cool opportunity if you are a beginner or intermediate photographer that is really serious about taking better photos and getting better at photography. Now, usually about four to six times a year, I teach in-person workshops around the Western United States centered around helping you become a better photographer. Now, my workshops are kept to just five people, which means that you will get plenty of one on one attention. So regardless of your skill level, whether you just picked up your first camera or whether you've been shooting for 15 years, I promise you, you're going to get so much out of it. I'm going to cater the class directly to you. Best of all, after the workshop, I'm going to add you to my alumni group on Facebook where you can get literally weekly image feedback. We can connect at all times. Uh, When the workshop is over, it's not done. I'm still going to be your mentor. I'm going to be there to help you and become better at photography. Now, like I said, if you're serious about becoming better at photography, don't wait any longer. Register for one of my workshops this year. You can visit austinjamesjackson.com slash workshops. That link will be down below in the podcast description that you can click on as well. I really can't wait to see you guys out there. All right. Problem number three here is... This common editing mistake is that you've got an unrealistic looking photo. Now, a lot of these mistakes kind of funnel into this one um, and cause an unrealistic looking photo. But usually, I wanted to touch on this. Usually, a unrealistic looking photo is a result of you trying to make something from nothing. There is some photographers that are very, very, very good at this. If you are newer to the game, you are probably not going to be good at this and creating a realistic looking photo from nothing. A lot of times, you know, if you're out in the field and you don't get those ideal conditions, which most of the time we don't, don't worry. Like, don't feel like you have to get a great image every time you go out. Uh, I talked about this in my podcast a couple of weeks ago, covering composition mistakes. Um, you don't need to feel like you can't have a scouting mission. Like every time you go out, you have to produce images. Um, and I think a lot of times that's where things will get kind of gunky is when you're trying to make something from nothing. Uh, your photo won't look good because of it. It's not gonna look realistic. Do not be afraid to delete it and move on. The problem when you do this is when you add a photo like that to your portfolio, it almost um, downgrades everything else in the portfolio. You know, when I look at somebody's, work, whether I'm looking on Instagram or their website or whatever, if they've got some photos where they try to do too much and it looks unrealistic, it almost makes you question the photos that are actually good. You're like, well, what special trick did they apply there to make it like, you know, it just kind of, it kind of makes things, everything else look worse. Um, it's just like the saying, like, and people know, I don't know if anyone said this about photography, but in life in general, like the worst piece of work you have is a reflection of everything else. Like the, the team is only as good as a worst player. Your images are only as good as the worst image. Uh, if that makes sense. So try and avoid doing this and having unrealistic looking photos by just trying to do too much. Now, mistake number four is that you've tried to match an editing style. You're trying to... And for a lot of people, this works for them. It looks great. But if you are trying to create realistic images, you cannot do this. And you'll see a lot of people out there that, like, you look at their feed and everything is toned, like, cool blue or warm. And they have this, like, style to them. Like I said, looks cool uh, on Instagram. But if you want to create realistic photos, you cannot do this. Really avoid the color grading in Lightroom or Photoshop or Camera Raw or wherever you're using it. Color grading is where you like add a little bit of color to the highlights, add a little bit of color to the shadows. I can probably count on one hand the amount of times that I've used this and actually liked what it's done to my photos, especially when you're newer. I find that people really have a hard time using this because they try and overdo it to like tone their photo and it just doesn't look realistic, unfortunately. So I really recommend avoiding using the color grading and don't try and tone your images um last year i talked to david dinette which by the way that podcast episode is fantastic scroll back and find that one if you didn't listen to it but we talked about how to create more realistic looking images which is something he does so well in that podcast he mentioned that for him every single photo in his portfolio stands alone Every photo is a one of one. There's nothing that like, oh, these three photos go together. Um, And that can be good or bad. Like I said, for for Instagram, maybe it doesn't look as nice. You don't have like as curated of a feed, but you want your photos to stand alone if you want them to look realistic because the conditions are so vastly different uh, depending on where you're shooting at and what you're shooting and what the conditions are like that you wouldn't expect a photo that I took in Zion national park to look like a photo. I took at crater lake in Oregon. You know, I would expect them to look vastly different and be able to stand on their own and not look similar to the other photo. Like, of course everyone has like a style per se, like some people add a little less saturation and whatever, but you don't, if you want to create realistic photos, you don't want to be the person who everyone's like, Oh, they create warm photos or they create cool looking photos Uh, Because otherwise your images won't look realistic. Um, And I think that's a big editing mistake that a lot of people make is they try and have like a style when they first start editing their photos. Now, mistake number five, final mistake here on this episode is you're doing too much dodging and burning. And I know that sounds crazy, but I have significantly toned down the amount of dodging and burning I do on my images Now, this is not to say that you can't do a lot of dodging and burning and create great photos. I know photographers that dodge and burn for two, three, four hours, and they create really, really great stuff. But especially when you're newer, more often than not, your dodging and burning is going to create unrealistic looking photos. Uh, Too much dodging and burning can be way too obvious. Uh, Usually in my photos, I probably spend two minutes maybe five minutes, we'll say five minutes or less dodging and burning. I'm really not doing a whole lot. I'm maybe touching a few areas, but I'm not so much getting in there um, and really going at it. Now, if you're taking photos where you're shooting, like the times when dodging and burning really comes in handy is if you're shooting in like a forest and you want to accentuate the light on one side of a tree, like stuff like that, dodging and burning can be good for, but don't overdo it. With the dodging and burning because it can be really really obvious it is far better to do too little dodging and burning than it is to do too much because when you can tell that someone has used dodging and burning it honestly just does not look it It looks awful so you really really want to avoid using too much dodging and burning um and depending on how you're doing it, you know, if you're doing it in a lightroom, you have to be really, really careful or Adobe Camera Raw when you go in there with the masking tool to do dodging and burning. It's it's I've found that's really a difficult way to um do your dodging and burning. If you do want to try and do dodging and burning, I really would recommend going into Photoshop, opening a new layer, and then you change the blend mode of that layer to overlay if you want the dodge and burn to have like a contrast to it. Or you change it to soft light if you want it to like glow a little bit and be a little bit softer Um, and just paint on that layer. You can paint with color if you want. You can paint with just black or just white. Um, But again, don't overdo it because too much is going to be obvious. It's not going to look good and you're not going to be happy. Um, so I would really avoid it. So that's your five mistakes there. I'll run them back real quick just for if you've already forgotten. Um, number one was the white balance isn't right. Got to have the white balance, right? If you want a compelling image, number two is the too much problem, too much contrast color or editing. Don't have too much. I would say 95 times out of a hundred, the photos that I look at and I think that there was an editing mistake made that involves too much or too little. I would say 95 out of a hundred of those are too much and not too little. Very seldom do I see a photo that I feel like isn't edited enough. They're usually always over edited. So keep that in mind. Mistake number three, unrealistic looking photos is usually a result of you trying to make something from nothing. Don't be afraid to delete your photo and move on. Mistake number four, you've tried to match an editing style. A lot of times people do this with color grading. They try and tone their image to be warm or cool or like fit an aesthetic to fit their Instagram feed. Avoid doing that if you care about getting realistic looking photos. And lastly, mistake number five, too much dodging and burning. Too much uh, is really obvious to seeing you want to avoid doing that. So make sure you don't overuse it. And that is your five common editing mistakes that I see landscape photographers making all the time. Hey! Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Learn Landscape Photography Podcast. Really hope it was helpful for you guys. While you're here, I just wanted to briefly mention. um, I know you probably heard my little ad in the center talking about my workshops. I wanted to mention one that is coming up. If you're listening to this podcast around the time when it was released, Um, I've got a workshop this spring, and it is out in Hanksville, Utah. It is a fantastic workshop. Um, We go actually Hanksville and Escalante. Um, this one's April 7th through the 12th. It's five nights and it is really, uh, I mean, we do photography sunset sunrise, but it's really focused on Milky Way and the Milky Way panorama. If you've wanted to get a Milky Way panorama, or if you haven't thought about it and now you're thinking it might be cool, this is the workshop for you. It, It is just so cool. We get five whole nights. Um, so usually, usually every night is clear for Milky Way but if not because we have five nights like you're guaranteed pretty much um, I, I can all but guarantee you basically that we're gonna get some good night sky shooting conditions it's around the new moon so we get that really really nice panorama which you can only get in the spring uh, at least here in the United States um, and it's a fantastic backdrop I and mean, we've got cool rocks it's like otherworldly out there a lot of people like in that area to like Mars if we could actually see what Mars looked like. So it's just so cool out there and I've got I've scouted that area. I've been out there hundreds of times. I've got so many cool compositions that are a little bit off the beaten path that y'all like a little bit of hiking in that workshop too. We'll be checking out some slot canyons on the latter half of the workshop. I mean, there's really just a little bit of everything. We're staying in this really cool, like it's like a rustic old little home in Hanksville. We're all staying together. It's like a a five or six bedroom house. So it's cool because we can all stay together. There's a lot of camaraderie um, and you'll learn how to edit the photos, which is like the biggest thing, especially when it comes to the Milky Way panorama. Uh, I'm going to sit down every day and record, uh, I'll record it like on the, on my computer, but I'm going to display it on the TV screen. You guys can sit and watch me edit my photos. Usually the first couple days you're watching me a lot doing my editing. Um, and I'm kind of recording that, talking you guys through it, showing you how I do certain things. And then the last couple days usually is focused on you guys editing. And then I kind of sit, look over your shoulder and you know, and I give individual help. Uh, the workshop size is just five clients. So, I keep it really, really small in order to help you guys uh, more like, the nice thing about the small workshop size is that if you're brand new at photography, you can learn so much, even when you're on a workshop with somebody that is very, very experienced. And same thing with the experienced person, you're going to learn a lot because I keep it down to five people. So I can spend a lot of individual time helping you learning what you already know, what you want to learn, what, um, and I can really kind of boost you, your progress forwards. Um, and then lastly, you'll get access to my, um, alumni Facebook group. So I've got a group where I put, I give weekly image feedback um, and your contact for life, you know, I'm going to help you out. So if you have any questions about, Hey Austin, what do you think about this image? What's wrong with this edit? I don't like it. How do you do this? How do you do that? email me text me anything like i'm your contact for life i want to be there to help you out so great opportunity on that workshop uh, as it stands as i'm recording this right now i've got 3 spots available and that one's coming up in april i really want to fill those spots um and i think it's going to be a really fun one it's always so much fun out there i know it's a lot of work to get out there into kind of the south central utah but trust me guys it'll be worth it i'll make it worth your time um, if you have any questions about the workshop, go ahead and shoot me an email or a DM or anything like that. Um, please join me out there. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to work my butt off to make sure that you guys learn so much about photography and capture some really, really great images. Again, thank you so much for listening to my little workshop pitch. I hope you guys will join me and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe and get the podcast every week in your inbox, your podcast inbox, something like that. Um, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you guys so much. This is Austin James Jackson signing out.